Take your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. I'm going to do an expositional message today. I don't, I don't do expositional, but about one out of four, one out of five, maybe one out of six. Who knows? But don't keep that close to track. But I'll be preaching from uh, getting some thoughts. Five principles of service is what we're going to do today. Five principles, real straightforward message. Five principles of service. Uh, Paul himself liked to be known as a servant of Jesus Christ. Anybody that is anything in the Bible considered themselves a servant. He that would be greatest among you is servant of all, Jesus said. So that just goes against the world. The world's not that way. They're like be number one. How many people got to walk over to be number one? You know, I want to be the big shot. I want to be the leader. No, the Bible says be the lowest in the totem pole and you're big with God. Uh, have a spirit of a servant. What is that? What does that amount to? What what does being a servant amount to? Well, I believe Paul lists at least five, and there may be more, but I'm going to give you five this morning, characteristics or principles of what it is to be a servant. Paul, what a guy. God used him. Most Most of the apostles were plain, simple men. Most of the apostles were very plain, simple men, not educated men, not highly intellectual men. They were fishermen. They, they were hard workers, but they were not outstanding people otherwise. And Jesus picked one out of 12 that was outstanding in the world, and that was Paul the apostle. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, among all the Pharisees, he was like number one. He probably had the Old Testament memorized. As many, we understand by history, many of those Pharisees had memorized the Old Testament. That would be a fee, wouldn't it? You'd have to have a photographic memory. Paul probably had a photographic memory. He knew many languages, and he was uh, prolific in them and could, could speak them and write them. And, and then God pulled him out on the road to Damascus and peered to him and says, uh, you're going to be my servant. And I said, I'm going to show you what great things you're going to suffer for my name's sake. How would you like that as a calling? That was God's calling to Paul. He says, I'm going to show you what great things you're going to suffer for my name's sake. And Paul didn't blink an eye, really. He was blind for three days until until he uh, got his sight back. And then God, I'm telling you, Paul was beat on and beat on and beat on. But he was bold as a lion, wouldn't let anything shut him up. And he had, but coming towards the end of his ministry, really, really towards the end of his uh, public ministry, he was getting ready to go to jail for a couple of years and witness before Caesar, probably Caesar Augustus. And we find ourselves in the 20th chapter and the 17th verse. He's on his way back to Jerusalem under, under orders of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. God says, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. Because at Jerusalem, that's where he was going to get arrested, and that's where he was going to get eventually sent to literally be able to give it. He probably gave a testimony of the gospel before Caesar himself. Who would be able to do that? Well, the only way you're going to be able to do that is if they want you, and they arrest you, and they wanted to hear him. He was an intellectual man. He could verbalize well. He could speak well. And he did, of course, in front of a few leaders, and they eventually shot him back over to Rome for his his uh, testimony really for Rome that was that was his evangelical mission to do that so he comes to the leaders he said he spent about 3 years at Ephesus in fact he spent 3 years at Ephesus and um, Ephesus was a 
was a very important town in that area. And from Ephesus, of course, went out the people who got saved and people who had been trained to start churches all around Ephesus. And he, he calls them on the way through back to Jerusalem. He calls them. He says, I want to meet with all the elders. He goes, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Now, I believe there's only two positions in a church, two offices of the church, and that is a pastor and deacon. That's it, just pastor and deacon. There's no elder office. There's four words in the New Testament that are used synonymously for the same office, and you call, them, you call the office pastor. It can be called bishop. It can be called uh, espresbuteros, episkopos in the Greek, uh, poinme, and, you know, and so there's four words that describe this one office, being a pastor. And, and by the way, the Holy Ghost calls pastors. God calls pastors. And so you have pastors, then you have deacons, and that's, that's the office. Uh, you find that, first of all, in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, and on. And by the way, deacons are, whoo, they're men full of the Holy Ghost. He says, choose you, seven men full of the Holy Ghost. I don't give a bigger, you don't get a bigger compliment than that. If you've been able, if you've been chosen by God to be a deacon, uh, it's a great compliment. Deacons are so, so necessary to the church of Jesus Christ. They're the foundation, uh, the stabilizing factor in a local church. Pastors, I have to say this, and you preachers may not like this, but preachers come and go, but deacons stay. And deacons, when a pastor goes, it's so important to have solid spiritual men of the full of the Holy Ghost to be able to take the church on to the next guy that God calls to that church and be able to see them do well. So he called these elders, and I believe these were pastors, uh, bishops, uh, point may, same thing. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you in all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears, and temptations, where temptations mean trials, which befell me at the lying way of the Jews. And how I, and boy, I like this, verse 20, you may want to underline it, how I kept back nothing. That is, that is not easy to do. That is not easy to do. You may, that may sound, you just say it, I kept back nothing. Oh my goodness, that's so hard. That's so hard to accomplish. That was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly from house to house. And we do house to house, by the way. That's why we get it out of the Bible. Testifying both to the Jews, also the Greeks. This is a good definition of the gospel. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing what things shall befall me there. Save the Holy Ghost, witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or are waiting for me there. But none... Of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry, he'd been given a ministry, which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all, he was southern, by the way, Paul was, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you 
the whole, uh, the, all, I should say the whole, I meant all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, to, under yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost, and that's what the Holy Ghost calls the pastors, the Holy Ghost that made you overseers to feed, and that's the main job of a preacher. He's a feeder. He's a chef to feed the people of God, to feed the church of God, which he had purpose, purchased with his own blood. I didn't save you, folks. Jesus saved you. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you and not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things which draw away disciples after them. I wish that was not in there. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. That's again second mention. And now, brethren, I commend to you, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Glory to God. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that by his hands of, these, these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I showed you all things, how it's so laboring, you ought to support the wheat. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how, it is, how he said, and most of you old-timers know this to be so true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Young people like to receive. Old people understand life well enough to know it's giving's where the joy is. Giving's where the pleasure is. Giving's where the, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So let me give you five observations, principles, characteristics of service for the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 19, we see Paul's compassion, a servant of the Lord Jesus. And by the way, everybody in this room qualifies as a, if you're born from above and you know Jesus is your personal Savior, you are a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, you may not be a pastor or deacon, but you are a servant of Jesus Christ. You have the responsibility to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature just like I have that responsibility to go. Now, maybe we have different different uh, job descriptions, but ultimately we're all responsible to share the gospel, the best thing ever happened. If you found the cure to cancer and never told anybody, what kind of an animal would you be? What kind of a beast would you be? Why, if somebody in, a, in, in some laboratory found a cure to cancer and, and they'd kept it to themselves, well, you'd consider him to be the biggest criminal in the world. And what kind of criminal are we if we hold the, the answer to sin, the answer to to the destructiveness of, of evil, we hold the answer to it with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can, get, you can get free from your sin. You can be forgiven of all your sin. You can be cleansed from all your sin. Get be, you don't get better news than that. You get to go to heaven. That's all a side note after all that. But so we see, first of all, in verse 19, we see Paul's compassion. He says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations. You say, Bill, I don't have compassion. I have very little compassion. Uh, by the way, I'm glad you finally admitted that. If you like compassion, you're not right with God. You can excuse it all you want. So how do you get compassion? 
Well, if you're in fellowship with God on a daily basis and in his word, and you have not forgotten where you've come from, you should have compassion. It says in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and I heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. What kind of pit? And out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock and established my going, goings. That's southern, going. Compassion is gained through suffering. Compassion is gained through realization of where I came from. Compassion is gained through the consequential brokenness that those things bring. Who am I that God would care about me? I'm a nobody. I was a one fire ant in the middle of millions of fire ants. In other words, I was just one. I like to look at a fire ant, big old fire ant mound. Sometimes I just take my foot and rake it over to the side and, and see all of them come up to look at me. And I think I'm just, I'm just like that one, one of those little fire ants as far as insignificant goes. Yet I'm made in the image of God by the grace of God. Even in this sinful condition, yet you're still created by God. He cares about you, loves about you, loves you. You begin to get compassion when God brings in some things in your life. I like old uh, Harold Seiler said, he said, however, compassion, Harold Seiler, if you don't know him, that's it. He was my pastor for four years. He said, uh, compassion without action is emotion. Compassion is not just, oh, you cry over something but don't do anything. Compassion is a motivator. It's like empathy. It makes you realize and you, you understand the, 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 the person you go up and knock on their door. Uh, hey, if you were lost on your way to hell, wouldn't you want somebody to come after you? Wouldn't you want somebody to pay attention to you? Wouldn't you want somebody to give you a gospel track? Wouldn't you want somebody to invite you to church so you could hear the gospel? Man, I'm on my way to hell. I want somebody to care about me. There's thousands and thousands of people in our area that are on their way to hell without Christ that need somebody to care. We've been given, the, we've been given that mission to go out to go in the world and preach the gospel, go out there and get them. So we see Paul had a principle of being a servant is, first of all, having some compassion. Secondly, Paul had a sense of comprehensiveness, verse 20. And how I, he says, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly from house to house. There are some cowards who call themselves preachers that worry whether they will offend someone with the truth, and consequently they don't preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth. They're all over the Internet, and there's many large megachurches that these men fit that description. Paul had a comprehensiveness to understand I need to preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. If it's offensive, it's offensive. There are preachers who have been, who have false, false uh, wolves and sheep's clothing, false teachers, whatever you want to call them, who've risen up and started churches and given people what they wanted to hear, given people the atmosphere they wanted, given people the kind of music that they wanted, told them just nice things about God, that God of love is going to help, and consequently they filled their churches up and filled their pockets up. The mission of a servant of Christ is to speak the truth. 
to have a comprehensiveness, not, not hold back anything that's profitable for you. Harold Seidler said, it's not my job to explain the Bible, it's my job to preach the Bible. I you can't tell you how hard it is to get up here and to preach sermon that I know is going to offend you. I love you folks. I'm not trying to drive you out of here. I love you, but God, God, you know, as we go through the Bible and we say, you know, he's preached the whole Bible, and you come across a section of Bible that you know, I just did a podcast, and I'm getting ready to do a message. You may want to miss this. You may want to miss that Sunday. I just did a podcast. I felt so strongly led uh, against alcohol. No amen. If I'd have said I did a podcast against abortion, I did a podcast against alcohol. Alcohol is a mistress of death. Alcohol's killed more people, maimed more women because the husband's beating them up. Uh, It has destroyed more jobs and careers than any drug that's ever been produced. I'm not here to preach against that. I am bound to preach the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Got to warn people. I kept back nothing. It's time Christians speak the truth in love. Of course, in love. You do it in love. You do it. You, you preach against homosexuality in love, knowing that if they don't turn from their homosexuality, they're going to die and go to hell. You preach against immorality with love, knowing that if you don't preach against immorality, somebody that continues in immorality is going to die and go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. God said he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of the truth. Man, we don't want anybody to die and go to hell. But I can tell you this, if you, don't, if you continue in your sin, you are going to die and face Jesus someday and be cast into the lake of fire. That is the truth. We Christians should speak the truth in love. The ERA speaks their mind. That's equal rights people. The NAACP speak their mind. The ACLU, they're not afraid to speak their mind. The gay pride group, they speak their mind. The environmaniacs, they speak their mind. The Save the Gopher Society speaks their mind. We Christians go around, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. We're not going to speak the truth in in love without having some people get flat out mad at you. But they're really not mad at you. They're mad at the truth. They're mad at God. They don't want to hear it. And that's what they're mad at. But you know you're there. You're the visible object, so you you may take some heat for that. So word of number one, we see in this passage a servant, one of the principles, you have compassion. The second principle, Paul demonstrated you have comprehensiveness. You speak the whole truth. Thirdly, Paul had consistency in verse 21, if you want to look at that. Testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He never strayed. He never strayed from preaching the salvation of repentance and faith. He never strayed. Now, he called it belief sometimes. It's called uh, faith sometimes. It's, 
it's separately called repentance sometimes, and sometimes it's called repentance and faith in various combinations of those, of those terms. But it's all the same thing it's speaking about. Uh, he never strayed from preaching the truth. He didn't pasteurize it, homogenize it, puree it, dice it, slice it, or trim it. He just preached the truth in love and let it fall where it fell. I've told this story before. I've, years ago, I asked my neighbor. I've been asking him to come to church for a long time, and I'd fished with him, hunted with him, done some stuff with him, and asked him to come to church. Finally, I got his curiosity enough. He said he was coming. Well, he didn't come. You know, I didn't know what Sunday was coming, but it seemed like it was a month or two after he said he was going to come. He hadn't come. And one, I got felt strongly the Holy Spirit to preach a message on hell. I mean, the whole message about hell, how to avoid hell, don't go to hell, and how people who are going. It was a tough message. I mean, it was hellfire and damnation, old-fashioned, red-faced Baptist preacher, message on hell. It was Bible. And I was going to do it, and I was, up, and I was over in the other building there, and I, I was over here in this chair. We used to sit in these chairs, but I'm trying to humble myself. I was sitting in a chair waiting to preach. I was sitting here, and I looked up, and somebody came in the door late. It was, it was him and his wife and his two kids came in the door, and I sat here in this chair, and I said, oh, God, no. I said, please, Lord, please, Lord. You know I've been after these boys. Please, not today. The Holy Spirit rebuked me. The Holy Spirit said, I brought them today. Do you think God knows more than you know? He knows more than I know. I thought they'll never be back. That was my unbelief. The Holy Spirit said, just preach the truth. So I got up and did my best shot. I cried through that thing. I talked about my father-in-law dying lost. People I've known die lost and how it broke my heart. Talked about hell and preached on it. He came, he attended here for four years after that. I baptized him, baptized his two children. His wife said she'd been baptized and already saved. Baptize them in the lake at their house. Just preach the truth. You let God worry about how it affects people. You just, you just do the right thing. He had uh, compassion on everybody. Don't restrict it. He had comprehensiveness. Tell it all. Don't trim it. He had consistency of the message. Don't change it. Fourthly, I see in verse 22 to 24, Paul had complete abandonment to the cause. Oh, this is an important point. He said in verse 20, he said, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and this ministry, which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I like that first part. Look at that first part. It says, But none of these things move me. Let me tell you, there's a lot of pressure on the man of God to move. And it's never moving in the right direction. It's always moving left. Harvard used to be a good school. You can go through the, 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 the colleges of America. And they used, to, they used to have their foundation on the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's still, there are still remnants of that in their, in their writings, in their constitution, in their buildings. You can go the flow is always to push you away from God. As you live in this world for Jesus, notice it. 
The flow is to push you away from God, get you more liberal, looser. He says, none of these things move me. I was just reading this week about how pastors in America, Barna did a survey. Oh, Barna, they do all kinds of surveys. How many pastors only pastor for five years and go back into the world, occupation in the world. They got moved. The God that called them didn't make a mistake. They got moved. They got moved. They got discouraged. Listen, I can't quit. If I'm going to stay right with God, I got to keep doing what he wants me to do, when he wants me to do it, how he wants me to do it, where he wants me to do it. Until he releases me, I can't do anything else. I got to do what I'm doing. Paul said, I got to be this apostle he's called me to be, this, this apostle born out of, out of due season. That's, that's really translated stillborn. And, and, and even though I'm unworthy to be the least, I'm the chief of all sinners. I persecuted the church of God, yet God called me that I and show me great things he must suffer. And boy, he did suffer for the cause of God. But none, when he says none of these things, he's talking about getting, getting whipped with rods and getting scourged and getting beaten and getting stoned and getting shipwrecked. He's, saying, he's, he's talking about being persecuted. He's talking about being driven, being hated. He, nobody, ever, I, I don't know if anybody walked the face of earth ever suffered like Paul. None of these things move me. We have people go door to door with us sometimes and they know what's right and they believe God wants them to go because they've told me and they go to a door, somebody treats them, you know, they verbally treat them bad. They verbally say bad things. They slam the door on them. Boy, that's real suffering. <laughs> Are you so tender that you can't take a little whipping once in a while? Are you so sensitive that you can't take somebody not liking you for Jesus? You guys who go to school, you go to public school, you, you guys go to school, man, you stand up for Jesus, you're going to get persecuted. They're going to call you names. They're going to be on you. But Jesus is worth it. He died for you so you could have eternal life. Paul had an abandonment to the cause of Christ. I've had a really good marriage. My wife in here? Uh oh. Oh, I'm in hot water now. No, I've had a really good marriage. I don't know what you would say. But from my side, I've had a really good marriage. And I'm going to tell you why one of the main, now there's many reasons for a good marriage, but it's God, of course, everything, all glory goes to God. But one of the reasons, technical reasons for having a good marriage with her, all these 52, 48 wonderful years, <laughs> 52 years, is she has a complete abandonment for me. Kathy Moore Abandon herself to me. We got married in a fever, hotter than a pepper sprout. <laughs> we got married, she was 18, I was 19. I, what, did, what do you know at 18 and 19? 
You got passion with no brains. No offense meant to you, 18, 19 year olds. I'm not trying to insult you. Just telling the truth. But I mean, we got married. I had all I was carnal mostly. But one thing I noticed about her, she had abandoned herself to me. She was going to stick with me even if it was meant to make me miserable. But she was going to stay with me. And boy, we had our, I was a really a jerk over and over and over again. You can't believe the things that I, I have an anger problem. And I said things and did things and broke things and threw things. Because I got an anger problem. Well, I'm sanctified now. But I'm grown in grace. But how did it happen when she abandoned herself? Let me say, if you'll abandon yourself to the cause of Christ, it'll overcome all kinds of problems. It'll overcome the preacher being rude. It'll overcome the deacon not saying hi to you. It'll overcome somebody not writing you a letter on your birthday. It'll overcome, it'll overcome uh, uh, telling what kind of music you ought to put on the, on the, on the, uh, on the bulletin. It'll overcome an abandonment for the Lord Jesus Christ and the local church that he established will overcome all kinds of problems. I want to die with my hands on the plow. And the pressure is to move me away from what God wants me to do. None, he said, none of these things have moved me. That's a characteristic of principle of service. Harold Seitler said something else. He said, you furnish the surrendered life and God will furnish the ability. I like that. I didn't have any ability. I have very little ability. And God called me to do his service and to be a pastor. And I was, I just, I just said, well, I'll give you what I got. I don't have much, but I'll give you what I got. And he's given me things that I never dreamed I'd be able to do. Never dreamed, never dreamed. The last point is, found in verse 20, well, 27. And now behold, I know you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom to my face no more. Wherefore, I take you record this day that I'm pure from the blood of all men. He did what he was supposed to do. Verse 27, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He had responsibility. He had a deep sense of responsibility. Paul the Apostle did. Have you have do you have compassion? Well, this, these are the five points. Let me repeat them to you. We're to have compassion on everybody. Don't restrict it. We're to have comprehensiveness. Tell it all. Don't trim it. We're to have consistency in our message. Don't change the gospel. We're to have complete abandonment to the cause of Christ. Don't hold back anything. And we're to have a sense of responsibility. Towards the things of God. Are you responsible for what God's given you? You know, responsibility 
has a brother called accountability. When God's made you responsible for your neighbors, he's made you responsible for your city, your town. I always consider our responsibility here at Gospel, North Naples, South Fort Myers. We have an area of responsibility. And there are other churches out there that have areas of responsibility, but, and sometimes we overlap. But we have an area of responsibility that through the years we've done door-to-door all down to, to uh, 110th, all down to 92nd Street, I think it is, the last street, 91st Street. That's our stopping line at Naples. And all the way up, just south of Briarcliff. And that's the area that we have over and over and over and over as a church gone door-to-door covering every house, every place we could see. And the places we couldn't go, we tried to mail to them. We put billboards up. We pass tracks everywhere. In, 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 when they buy a, a six-pack of Bud Light, they get a Gospel Baptist track. Why? Because we're responsible. We are going to be held responsible by God. I hope you have some of these characteristics. I hope that Maybe you go back over this and look at this, and maybe God help us to have a spirit of service that Paul had. Father in heaven, help us today. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for its instruction. Open doors in front of us that no man can shut, but shut doors that no man can open. Help us to have the boldness and the abandonment, man. May none of these things move us. Some of these young guys are listening to me here go to, go to high school, junior high school. And the whole, the whole gist of those schools, in many ways, the spirit of the students is the anti-Christian, anti-Christ. And maybe they're born from above and they stand for the Savior. May it give us, as the old boys used to say, may it give us holy, holy boldness. Forgive us where we've cowered back. Help us to do your will. Share the faith in love, with compassion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.